Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron, Kapla, and Commodore Corey. Well, actually, I got uh, I got an announcement. Oh, nice! I got promoted to what? Captain. Commodore two. I'm a captain now. Nice. So you're back where you were at the beginning of our series. <laughs> well, and I think it's fitting because I don't know when our first episode came out. Did it come out mid-November? It was like November 2nd, I think, is when we started. Well over a year in. What's the quote about going on a journey and coming back at the place you started? You know that famous quote. I I, I guess. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Do you feel like you're wiser now? Yeah, and, and more powerful, and I have a lot more human skulls on my belt than I did the first time around. Yes. Your beard has gotten much lusher as well. Thank you. Actually, Romulans can't grow beards. This is um just spirit gum. <laughs> really, really set you apart from those others. So here I am. Go ahead and introduce me again. Um, With Captain Corey. Hey, guys. Great to see Don't believe his facial hair. All right. Well, hey, congrats, Corey. What are you getting? Thanks. Uh, I just hope that you enjoy getting drunk on power. Uh, the hangover is pretty bad. Uh, thank you so much. You do not want to know what I did. And thank you, everyone, for asking how I got the promotion, because I did have a bit set up for that. But let's go ahead and move on to the next thing. <laughs> Corey, how'd you get we, your promotion? We all know, we all no, know it was no, Order okay. 34. Come on. I thought he just got like the right bowl cut and shoulder pads to impress the uh the the, the like, Romulan oh no. high command the person who was going to be a captain has died but we've already gotten his uniform ordered what will we do yeah yeah emily it was like a threes a company episode oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, once again cory putting on bits that we have no clue what's going on <laughs> All right, are you guys ready to jump into today's episode? Yes. I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> All right, this episode is called The Apple. It first aired October 13th, 1967. Um, it was, I, I guess it was written by Max um, Ehrlich, I think I'm saying that right, and directed by Joseph uh, Pevney. What an episode. Shall we postulate on what the apple is? My theory is that the apple is Kirk. Ooh Kirk, la la. Kirk is the apple. If you two can use your brains for once, you can see why I'm coming at that. <laughs> yeah, Kirk's going to be coming at that too. Take a, You take a bite of this apple, you might get a worm. <laughs> what do you think the apple like, is, Emily? Uh, I think it's... Bones is racism returning <laughs> once again. Oh, I noted uh, that. Yeah, no, I think it's it's Chekhov as the apple and his unrelenting horniness. <laughs> Clint, who do you think the apple is? I think it's fucking the concept All of, right. of sex is the apple. Okay. Well, after we talk about the episode, let's go ahead and unpick our our um theories. Yes, yes. No, that we got to spool these out. We got to. Can we? Get to the core of this. 
Do you get it? Bleep out every time one of us has sex, just like they do on the show. <laughs> they tiptoe right to the brink of it, and then they don't say the word. But they don't bleep it out. They just <laughs> stare at a woman who is like... They just stop talking. It's... <laughs> wow. <laughs> she was about to say sex. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a rough scene. <laughs> that was a real flashback to being 12 years old. Let's Let's get there in our own time, though. All right, let's do this. Corey, why don't you kick us off? All right. Well, the episode starts on a planet called... You know what? I'll give you guys a bonus point if any, if any of you wrote down the name of the planet. Well, Sure didn't. I, I mean, <laughs> I have it up here in front of me, but I didn't write oh. it down. It's Gamma Trianguli 6. That's it. Just so rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a big party beaming down. Eight people beam down, um, including, well, there's like everybody on the bridge except for Scotty. And Chekhov is there. And um, this is the third episode in a row, I think, where Chekhov is there. So that dude's getting quite a lot of screen time. Oh, and he doesn't have his wig anymore. I don't, in the last episode, I meant to mention this too, but in the last episode, I, I think he he grew in his hair, so he didn't need a wig either. What? True? He was wearing a wig? Are you joking? Or did you not know that? <laughs> no, because you know, you it was obvious. Fell right in my trap. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. no, you lead the podcast I'm nom, now. Nom, nom. Yep, I'm the boss. All right. Well, so they're getting weird readings on this planet. A couple things about the planet it has like really rich soil. It's temperate. It's always seventy six degrees. McCoy calls it a veritable Garden of Eden. Yeah, they're all like, "Wow, this place is great." And I will say the. Um... The set design is really good. It's some of the best that I've seen so far. I like the orange sky. That was kind of cool. I know it was just an orange wall behind all the set stuff, but it felt made it feel pretty alien. Yeah, no, the set design was good. The way that they like put the trees, there was like depth. Uh, You could really believe that there's like a mysterious forest behind them instead of just three plastic trees (laughs) or they're running around a state park yeah (laughs) were they on set the entire time it looked like a set to me yeah it did but yeah they did a good job with it Uh, Chekhov has a fun line where he's like oh yes the garden of eden it was right outside of moscow oh my god and it goes on and on they're like ribbing him he's like oh no it's great and i was like is he literally insane like are we supposed to take away from this that Chekhov lives in a different reality than the rest of us? No, this is just Chekhov. This is like his personality. It comes out more, but he's always like, everything great is Russian. Or like, oh, William Shakespeare was actually a Russian. So he does a lot of stuff like that. So, uh, so they notice, the away team, this weird moving black flower. And a red shirt goes up to it. And it shoots a spore out at him. A big spore cloud. And in my mind, I was like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another so psychedelic time, planet. Instead of flower power just like making you stoned and or drunk bones, uh, this one kills you. I thought it would be funny because like with the with the jizz plants, the secret to getting away from their thrall is to become angry and fight somebody so i thought it'd be funny if like the second that happens kirk just starts punching people <laughs> i know how to solve this problem 
But the reality is that this is the opposite. And in order to get out of this jam, you're going to have to love your way out. <laughs> well, in this case, the crewman dies. <laughs> Doesn't mean he can't be loved. <laughs> we'll unpack that later. <laughs> a, little, a little glimpse into Emily's personal life there. So there's a. That's I feel the, comfortable telling you these things. Yeah. So that's the opening credits, and then we come back. We find out the crewman has died, and then um, immediately Kirk calls up to the ship, and he has like a fun conversation with Scotty because Scotty's like, "Oh, I'd sure like to go down and run around the grasses," and Kirk's like, "You got to stay up on the ship, buddy." And they're like ribbing back and forth, and I'm just like, "A man just." died you're standing over his corpse right now and you're not doing too much to like protect yourself from anyone else getting killed they're like oh we'll just watch for flowers and no in fact oh go ahead (laughs) he says oh we'll just have to be careful and then while he's saying that kurt is like picking a flower he's like ripping the flower off the ground and like no no it's worse than that dude he takes a big whiff of the same flower that just killed his crewmate i don't it was, watch yeah. it again i don't i shit you not you, that happens no way yes. no way yes. i thought it was like a bunch of flowers that was like around him it was the same flower yeah, yeah he's he's like leaning against it and like kind of you know how cool guys lean against walls while they're smoking that's basically what kirk is doing to this thing that just mysteriously murdered his subordinate he sticks that bastard in his nostril and just inhales i could not believe it the man can't be controlled or contained he has a death wish but he's the only person here with plot armor uh there are let's just go ahead and say there's going to be a lot of deaths this episode there are a lot of red shirt deaths and Kirk, meanwhile, every episode is just increasingly like, why won't I die? Why can't I die? What's happening? This is why he keeps putting himself in these like insane situations because he's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I should have been dead so many times. What's going on? Ever since his brother died, he was just real on a real suicide mission. Yeah. He, he's got so much survivor's guilt from so many deaths, so much blood on my hands. And yet I'm still here. Why? Why? Just kidding. That the death of his brother didn't even affect him. Nope. Ship that orphan off to who gives a shit. <laughs> to Annie M's. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that happens in this opening scene. Like, did you guys notice that too? It was like nine things that happened in the first three minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And- it was really, really hot, cold open. Yeah. So let me, let's, okay. Spock detects that there's like, subsurface vibrations that are that are being artificially produced um he finds a rock that's laying on the ground and he snaps it in half and then uh, he's like, whoa 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 before he snaps in half he calls it good cleavage yeah oh yeah that's a that's a geology term emily you should know that rock snaps in half i know that doesn't make it less funny though <laughs> Also, I would think that, like, if it was unstable enough to explode when you threw it, like, when you snap it in half, like, why doesn't it explode then, too? I don't know. Anyway. It was hokey, but I love the exploding rocks. He, like, picks it up. He's like, here's some minerals. It's very light. And it's spray painted because that's how they continue to tell you this is an alien planet. And then he's like, well, anyway, it should be interesting. Like, maybe it can become a power source. We'll analyze it later. And he, like, tosses it over his shoulder and it just it explodes yeah okay so yeah. there there was a flower that shot out spores there are subsurface vibrations there is a rock that explodes um 
And you, you think these are all clues leading up to like one thing, but they're not. Nope. They are not. And we haven't even talked about um, Chekhov. And... Okay. Talk about Chekhov because that, that, that actually happened before The Rock. Yeah. He was being a bit of a horn dog. Oh, yeah. I mean, he does not. A real horn dog. He does not have his mind on the job. Um, and he beams down with, you know, a girlfriend that we've never seen before, but they're just like rubbing a on each other. Man. Yeah. Who has like a mini Janice hairdo. It's like one fourth of her magnificent braided beehive. And then there's just like a ponytail coming out of the middle of it. Um, I have a sad fun fact for you, Emily. I guess it's a... Is she also dead? <laughs> no. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Um, But um, <clears throat> I was reading some, some of the background information on this episode. Um, Do you know where that costume came from? Did it come from Janice's costume? Yeah, it's Janice's old costume left over from no! season one. Oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. Justice for Janice. So um, the woman who played, I think her name is like Celeste Jarl or something. But um, she uh, she was given the costume and they like recut and fitted it to her. And she was, she was like, oh, are, like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, what if you know, Grace Lee Whitney comes back. Um, and this guy, let me see, he's a, I think he's like a producer or something like that. But um, it says this guy, Bill uh, Thesis, Thies, Bill Thies, assured her that she will never return. So, oh my God. Yeah, the, this lady was like, oh, should we use this costume? Like, what if Janice wants to come back? And he's like, don't worry about it. She'll never come back. So, Jesus Christ. Emily, you said something earlier. You said justice for Janice. And I want to add that to our t-shirt collection. <laughs> we got Mama yeah. Meatloaf and Mama we got Meatloaf. justice for Janice. I think that's great. Yeah. The cute little little beehive. But anyway, um, but yeah. And it, like uh, Chekhov is not being very, <clears throat> very professional. Subtle? Yeah. Very professional uh, in this scene. Um the guy who plays Chekhov. Anywhere is paradise with you. <laughs> the guy who. The wildest the, accent. The guy who plays Chekhov? Walter Koenig, you mean? You're on a Star Trek podcast, Clint. He's not like a one off extra. <laughs> Idiot. You completely lost power. I uh, have. I know. It's run away from you. Since you tricked me, Emily, you stole it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Corey, we can have as much gruel as we want tonight. <laughs> the inmates are running the podcast now. It's exactly the same. Yes. But anyway. Um, yeah. So what? Horniness, exploding rocks. So while all this stuff is going on, um, Kirk is about to get sprayed by another flower. Spock jumps in the way and uh, knocks him sprayed. out. And Spock gets sprayed instead. And he like goes unconscious. He's fine though. He's a Vulcan. He'll live through it. Yeah, for some reason he's fine. And then, well, uh, Bones gives him some medicine, and then he says, Spock says it gives him a tummy ache, and Bones goes, "If your blood was red instead of green, you wouldn't have an upset stomach." And I was like, "It's been a while since we've had cranky racist Bones. Welcome well, back, buddy." To that, I would respond, "If your blood was red instead of green, that flower would have fucking killed you." <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not upset that Bones is racist. I'm just so upset that he's so uncreative about it. Like, this is all he talks about is, like, green blood and pointed ears and Satan. 
Well, the Satans knew. No, they talk about that. I think that uh, Ohura sings about him being Satan at one point. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. That song. Mm-hmm. They do call him Satan at the end of the episode, too. So, um, alert. so Kirk's like, okay, this is too dangerous. We're getting off this planet. And they try to transport up, but it doesn't work. And Scotty's like, sorry, I can't beam you up. This, uh, I don't know what's going on. Something's wrong with the ship. And then there's a dramatic zoom into Kirk. Couldn't to beam up a fly if I wanted to. <laughs> Everyone knows that's the easiest thing to beam up. Suddenly, a storm moves in. So there's a lot of stuff, right? We got a flower. We got a rock. We got... Uh, also, there's been rustlings. They're like, someone's behind us. Yeah, something's watching them. Um, a storm moves in, blots out the sun, shoots a lightning bolt down that vaporizes a red shirt and then the storm moves away i was like holy fuck when i saw that (laughs) this is extremely powerful lightning even though it looks exactly like this exact same clip from the adonis episode when he brought lightning in yes and it's not the only clip that's going to be the same uh towards the end when they're shooting the ship down at the we'll we'll get there yeah we'll get there okay so uh guys we're only like like four minutes in there's like a lot of shit that's happened this might Uh, be the episode that finally breaks us yeah so there's a village of humanoids on the planet that they know about kirk had previously sent a crewman to go check out the village they're gonna rendezvous with that crewman and then um as they're like running to meet with him he's coming from the village they're going towards the village the crewman steps on one of those exploding rocks and just turns into a smoldering crater I heard the stuntman got really hurt in the in that scene. Oh, jeez. Really? Yeah. He... Hey, Clint, what's with all your sad fun facts today, bud? <laughs> this was not a fun episode. I was looking, usually like the background information for a lot of the episodes are like, there's a lot of it and it's fun. And for this episode, there's not a lot of background information and it's all depressing. It's like reading the goddamn IMDb for like the Wizard of Oz. Like everyone, oh, yeah, everyone was dies. sad and dying and allergic. Fun fact about stuntmen, there is a movie that had changed a lot of rules and guidelines about stuntmen's and how hard they're able to fall and like how much protection you have to put down. Do you want to guess what movie that was? Ooh, I want to say like, I don't like Apocalypse Now or something. The Apple Dumpling Gang. Home Alone. Oh, Home Alone. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> because they have so many like banana peel slips and the stuntmen's like fall. And uh, I was watching this thing on Netflix about it. And uh, the director, Chris Columbus, was saying like, while we were watching it, like we, we wanted it to be like Looney Tunes. But while we were watching, like everyone on the crew just went like, is he okay? And then when the stuntman was like, yeah, yeah. They're like, okay. Oh, my God. Like they, they were like, it's really violent. Like, it's funny in the movie, but when they were filming it, it was everyone was like, oh, my God, what have we done? <laughs> That's a movie where if you change the soundtrack from like a beat Christmassy to like like a like a, a, a violin in a minor chord, it would be a totally different movie. It'd be a horror movie very easily. I think I have yeah. seen a horror movie trailer for that. Like someone did that where they changed the music and the way it's presented and they present it in like a horror movie way. There's a really funny one like that for um, The Shining recut to be like a uh, romantic comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shining. Okay, so Shining. Kirk's, Kirk starts beating himself up because the kill count is three now. And then they realize, as they're like standing around this smoldering dude trying to figure out what to do, um, they again realize that something is watching them. 
Kirk sends some dudes to like go fish him out. And then, the, okay, so the humanoid jumps out of the thicket. Kirk lands a haymaker <laughs> punch on him, and the guy starts crying. Oh my god, I forgot about that part. That was a pretty great part. I liked it. You... Yeah, they're all like, what the hell? What are we supposed to do with this? I thought this was going to be an episode where like Kirk accidentally introduces violence into like a society. Like They had no concept of violence. And then they're like, well, violence is great. And then they like... <laughs> They fly well, in, off and everyone's like just beating each other. Instead, in a, in a way they introduce they, sex. <laughs> yeah. In a way, they they do introduce violence too. And we'll get to that um, shortly. Okay. So this is Akuta. He is a priest of a god of this planet. The god the god's name is Vol. Val. Val. Did you, did, no, Val. Did you guys notice that depending on the actor, they said either Vol or Val. Oh. They were playing with that. Uh, I, real saw, I heard val and vol yeah 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 uh actually he says i am the leader of the feeders of val and i was like oh my gosh please keep going if you'd like to meet her apply to be a reader as far as bosses go you can't beat her as long as you eat her <laughs> what what's that from that's just me i thought it was funny that it rhymed he said i am the leader of the feeders of val oh. and then i just kept going rhyming just, it. yeah this is a, a it's it's a it's a culture that communicates in rapping and, and rhymes. In rhyming? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I would love that so much. There's <laughs> nothing I would love more than a TOS where they go and they meet aliens who only speak in rhymes. Is there is there a Star Trek the musical? I don't know. Does I that don't exist? Because so. I know there's like like they have Back to the Future the musical now. I think Star Trek would do well with I'm, the musical. I'm sure there's a musical. Oh my god, something. it would be so good. Like the the funny harry potter musical puppet one like that yeah that'd be great <laughs> that's our next project um mm-hmm. i just want to say uh when i heard his the leader's name uh i was like akuta matata <laughs> Corey's gonna kill us <laughs> i can like feel his frustration let's uh so this is akuta let's let's describe akuta he i wrote and i like my description um hit he, us with it he looks like a bronze-toned Oompa Loompa. That's a good Ooh, description. That's good. that's good. I wouldn't say they're bronze, though. They're, like, sunburnt. I, in my notes, I'm like, Vol better get these people some sunscreen. It was, like, uncomfortable watching this whole episode because everyone just, it, I, like, felt like I had a full-body sunburn watching this episode. It, Oompa Loompa is a great comparison. Yeah. I wrote spray tan with an old lady white hair bouffant and a tablecloth uh ankle length loincloth and then he has some like music festival accessories he has these like day glow face paint and then like (laughs) plastic flowers as a bracelet geometric shapes painted on his cheeks yeah it's like the mgmt cover these are just festival people it's been like a thousand years of like (laughs) yeah Yeah. this is where they're this is how their their civilization has dwindled to nothing yeah, this is what happens if you just live in outside lands forever. <laughs> so uh, Akuta has these antennae on the back of his head, and he tells Kirk, he's a friendly guy. He's like really warm and um, effervescent. But he tells Kirk that this is so uh, his god, Val, can talk to him and he, like hear everything he does. He's like the eyes and ears for his god. Yeah, he's, he's the literal ears. He's got little antenna. So meanwhile... The ship is getting pulled into the planet. So this is the B plot. 
Scotty is on the ship and he has to like figure out a way to stop it from being pulled in. Some force is pulling it in. And the away team can't beam up either. Yes. So Kirk demands to see Vol because he suspects that Vol is behind all the weird stuff that's been happening. And he's behind the ship going into the planet's orbit. Or I'm sorry, descending into the planet's atmosphere. Uh, and so they take Kirk and company to this cave with this snake head shaped entrance. It has like green eyes and fangs. It looked pretty oh, cool. It's great. The eyes are glowing. <laughs> it's like the cave of the... <laughs> Why is that funny? It just sounded like you were going to be more descriptive. <laughs> no, it's great. The eyes are glowing. It's like a snake. What more do you want from the cave or from me, Clint? <laughs> it just sounded like you were going to keep going. And then you're like, yeah, it's great. The eyes glow. And then I'm just like, <laughs> let's keep that, going. Usually in uh, improv, there's like a yes and element. But I like Emily's take where it's yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so... Yeah, you keep it up, but it's going to be no, Corey. <laughs> so they, um, they they try to like walk into the cave, but they can't because there's a force field, and Akuta tells them that they can't see Vol yet because they can only go in there during his feeding time. This has been a real, this has been a real slapstick episode for Spock because he just like, boing, like bounces off of it. Yes, yeah, he, yes. Uh, no, yeah, he gets... <laughs> He gets violently uh, repelled from it, which I noted as well. He uh, he gets injured quite a bit. I actually didn't talk about it every time he does because there's like no consequence to it. My favorite I mean, one fine. is when he gets burned in the back and <laughs> Bones is like, secondary burns. This is pretty serious. They must sting. And then Spock has some line like that would be an understatement. Yeah, like no fuck. <laughs> but then later there is a shot of his back and it's just like a little bit of like black marker on his back like i'm just like why did you even bother doing that terrible job that we're supposed to leave there's burns all over his back and then have his back in the shot <laughs> vulcans have a high constitution yeah passing those con checks all the time yeah okay so uh akuta takes the away party to their village to the vol village and these are, they call themselves the people of college, if you will. Oh, wow. <laughs> you will not. <laughs> and then we get a lovely 1960s sci-fi trope where uh, someone's like, hey, where are all of your children? Because everyone looks like in their prime. They're like in their 40s and they are 30s. <sighs> well, maybe the 40s are the new prime. I don't know. They're in, I was going to say like 20s. They've all got abs. They're real fuckable. <laughs> So they're like, where are all the children? And then they're like, children? Yeah, like what happens when you fall in love? Love? Yeah, so these guys are like, love. these guys are like pretty brainwashed or they just have no concept of anything. They're innocent, Corey. Uh, much like the Adam and Eve of biblical legend. Whoa, that's a great connection. Dude, it's called the apple. It's not, I didn't have to do any like mental gymnastics, Clint. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Seems like there's a theme to this episode I've been missing. That's why I call Kirk the apple, because he's the one that like corrupts them and sends them out of paradise. <laughs> Wouldn't he then be the snake? No, the snake is the snake. The snake cave. Mm. Wait, no, it's uh, not, because that's their god. No, right. <laughs> yeah, see? That's what this episode's trying to say. God and Satan are one and the same. 
Well, Akuda does say that it's not that they're innocent so much as Val has forced them into this because he awkwardly says, ah, the holding, the touching. Val has forbidden this. And I was like, ew, gross. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't permit these things. Any 60s like discussion of sex is just immediately the most cringy, horrible thing. It's like when your parents give you the sex talk as a child, you're just like, oh, this is awful. This is terrible. No, it's worse than that. It's like just I get maybe it is because people are like just staring and like not saying stuff. So. Oh, the dinner scene. Oh, my God. <laughs> there's a yeah, there's a terrible scene. I'll let you guys describe it. Um, it's It's coming up here. There's a weird, while we're at the village, there's a weird scene where, like, Spock is like, I am Spock. And everyone just, like, starts laughing. And he's like, yeah. why is everybody laughing? And then the scene and ends. they just laugh harder. Yeah, it's super <laughs> weird. That, They're just weird. like, ha ha, we can already tell that the others hate you for your looks. <laughs> <laughs> we shall do the same. We accept racism. So, anyway, like, the village is a paradise. They're treated very nicely and warmly. They get their own little adorable hut. Um, Bones goes and checks out the locals. He finds out that they don't age. And this is like all that Bones will do this episode, really. I, I've I've come to see that Bones is being really underutilized this season. He just has a couple throwaway lines, usually. Chekhov gets way more screen time than him nowadays. Bones used to be like hanging out with Kirk the entire time in season one. Yeah, it kind of feels like they they were kind of making him a comedic character. And then they're like, wait, he's a doctor. Maybe he should have more gravitas. But they don't really know how to write him with that or something. Yeah, he's more like perfunctory recently versus a character. Like he mostly just does mm-hmm. stuff like this guy's sick. Heal him or like give us some exposition about how you how this isn't possible or like tell us what you aren't, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I wonder if in some ways it's like struggling to represent what medicine would look like in this future. Like they didn't fully flesh out like, how do you heal everything? Like, how do you take care of the body? Do they still have diseases? Like in TNG, I feel like it's pretty clear what Crusher can fix. And like, she's like, well, if I had more data, I could do this and I'm going to try this. But like the limitations and what they can do are are more clear and here it feels like they just aren't sure yet well i mean he just declares people dead a lot it happened at the beginning of the episode <laughs> too where like he gets shot by the flower and then he's just like he's dead <laughs> yeah i love that too because like he gets there at the same time as everyone else and then bones is the one who looks the most shocked he's dead he's like why are you surprised you're the doctor but he didn't say that slow he's just like he's dead and then, like, the scene continues. Like, Dead. Let's keep going. I think he yawned it's while like, he was saying it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this a million times before. Uh, another another a flower, a gun, what, gunshot victim? Like, a flower shot victim. <laughs> see this all the time. After, after he says, yep, dead, Kirk looks at him and goes, you know, normally in improv phones, people try to say yes and. <laughs> and he Ooh, won't be getting up Back again. to the previous. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> love those uh, okay so people. they uh they they go check out the snakehead cave while um the people of all are feeding vol like they just go in there and they dump food into a well i don't know no, they feed him we the never... rocks oh they the feed rocks him... oh. i thought they fed him actual fruit and stuff they are talking about getting food i thought no it's like the gathering rocks. food for vol okay why would you not make a lot more sense why would you feed a machine fruit people come on 
I actually had in my notes, why did they think it was a machine? Like, I totally missed that. No, it eats rocks. That makes a lot more sense. Yes. <laughs> but why? Did, what is the machine's purpose? Ugh. That's. I, let's get into that later, too. Um, I also want to note, while we're talking about McCoy and the machine, but McCoy is also a robo-racist. Because he, t- he talks some shit about Vol here. And how much he hates uh, machines and how people shouldn't live for machines. But anyway, let's let's continue. Well, I will say I actually want to linger here because I think there's an interesting moment where like Spock. Well, first McCoy is like, this is terrible. These people are slaves to this machine and they haven't progressed in 10,000 years and they don't fall in love and they don't mate and they don't have any choices. And Spock is like, well, we have to respect other civilizations, including ones that do things we don't understand. But like these people are cared for. They're healthy. They're happy. Like we might say that they did choose this. Who are we to say? And they have this little debate, which is really interesting. And then Kirk kind of goes, "Okay, well, we can figure this out later. Like the first thing is that we have to get off this planet or the ship's going to explode. Uh, and that little like back and forth, I love. I like that a lot. Yes. No, <laughs> that's a that's a great discussion. Um, let's save that um, for the end of the episode because if we don't finish this outline, Corey's gonna explode. No, you're, you're gonna like defend. like a like a foreign rock. <laughs> wow. Okay, so they there's like there's a bunch of little scenes, right? They're they're just trying to figure out how to access this god, but it won't let them approach. So in the interim, there's a bunch of like little tiny scenes. So like the first one is the dinner scene where everyone in the away team goes back to the house. And yeah, we've teased it out a little bit. It's basically like they're just talking about, look, what if one of these people dies? How do they like reproduce? And they're like, well, maybe Vol uh, does it. Does what? Or maybe Uh, they, they figure it out, you know, like, science would you know and then someone's like without anyone telling them and they're like well you know you would maybe get close to the precipice of it's or they're like maybe they would receive instructions 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 yeah no it's it's annoying but it's 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 just like yeah it's like kirk spock and like a kirk spock and uh bones trying to admit get this woman to like say the word sex or something like that and they're just all yeah like, <laughs> a girl is, a girl knows what sex is <laughs> yeah it's weird so after that scene uh like there's a scene where akuta is just standing before the cave and he's getting like a message from the his god and there's like scary drum music going on so you know like whatever it is it's not good because he's like Yes, Vol, I will do it. Then there's a scene, there's a weird scene with Chekhov and his girlfriend. They're like going into this grove and there's flute music playing. You know the love song I'm talking about, right? <laughs> do, 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 do. Like that one. Yeah. And it's just playing while they're just like flirting. Clint, uh, recreate it for us. Um, Wait, here, let me. You have such a beautiful singing voice. I don't remember this music. It's like. It's beautiful. It's 
Beautiful. Corey, you have the voice of an angel. Can I keep going? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Chekhov and the lady kiss, and some of the people of all in the village see this, and they're like, hey, that looks pretty good. I'd like to do some kissing as well. So like a guy and a girl turn to each other, and they start kissing each other, and they start questioning like their lack of independence. They kiss each other three times in this scene. It's a very long scene. Uh, it's super awkward. There's... I did not like it. <laughs> like, just picture the least sexy scene, the least sexy kiss between two barely clothed people that you can imagine, and then dial the sexiness down like three more notches. I haven't perused deviant art much, but I wonder if there is like Oompa Loompa on Oompa Loompa. I mean, rule... That would probably be sexier than yeah. this. Rule 34, Corey. Rule 34. Yeah, someone's made it. Um, but um, also, I want to mention, too, that there was, a, there was a moment where he's, like, reaching for her shoulder. Like, he's going to touch his shoulder or something like that. And I thought for a second he was just going to, like, honk her boob. Ugh. I did, too! <laughs> wow, these people have advanced so quickly. <laughs> They've already gone to. They already figured out second base. Yep. <laughs> okay, so after this, Akuta, so he was instructed to kill the away crew. So he assembles a bunch of other men in the village, and they all gather around. And he's going to. So his people never. He's like, we're going to kill the away crew, and his people say, "What is kill?" So he's like, "Oh goddamn it! I have to show you guys how to kill." <laughs> so he takes out this weapon and it smashes he takes out these props basically and he shows them he's like i will show you how to kill it's simple everyone has y-shaped giant y-shaped sticks and he's like yeah, you take like this stick yeah i noticed them at the beginning of the episode and like what the fuck are these things and then later on they're like oh these are sticks i'm like you guys are idiots <laughs> <laughs> so at this point kirk is thinking okay we got to give these people some freedom and Spock reminds him of the non-interference clause, which I think is uh, a, the prime directive in primordial soup form. Yeah, I I noticed that as well. So while they're talking, suddenly the people of Vol attack with their big wishbone clubs, but they're not very <laughs> good at fighting, and they do kill one red shirt. The last then, red shirt. Yeah. The, oh, the but the yeoman does the coolest thing ever. She just like is standing there first of all she like grabs one like flips him over and then someone else runs at her and she just like yeah like kicks all the way up above her head and like knocks him out it was no, i didn't awesome. see that yeah that was awesome. like <sighs> high kick someone right in the face i noted that on my notes too i was like oh my god she kicks it like she gets to like fight i thought that was so cool i met like it was cool yeah i also have to say kirk in this scene hits a guy with the the heel of his hand like right into his nose which as a woman who has you know been privy to many self-defense things that's actually like a really good way to hit someone you get more force you're not hurting your fingers it's generally more effective i was like it's a pretty accurate and good fight moves here yeah no it wasn't a bad fight scene yeah so, and I, I just want to go, okay, so we've had four red shirts die in this episode. One got killed by a flower. Happens all the oh, time. Poor guy. Yeah, it wasn't the one that makes you happy. Um, one guy stepped on a rock. 50-50 shot. Yeah. Um, one guy stepped on a rock and exploded. 
Another guy was vaporized by lightning. (laughs) And then the the last one was hit by a stick. (laughs) Well, this is like some Captain Planet stuff, man. This is all the elements. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Kirk imprisons. And our powers combined, murder. Makes makes this a mediocre episode. Um, So Kirk imprisons the entire town in a hut. Um, At this time, Scotty calls down. He's, He's trying to get the ship repaired. But they do a test and it didn't work. They only have like a couple minutes before they decay into the orbit. That one British guy is still on the bridge. Did you guys notice that? I wonder if he has a future. So Kirk says, if you don't figure this out, you're fired. No, he said that before this because they that was their only chance and it didn't work. Oh, and then well, you're and then he does fire him. Yeah, Spock is like, I guess you're going to have to fire me. And then Kirk's like, you're fired. No, not Spock. I'm sorry, Scotty. So all 400 people on the ship are going to die. And I love the next thing because Kirk is like, oh, fuck it. Okay, let's just shoot the cave head snake thing with our ship phaser. It worked with that Greek planet. So let's just do that again. And they they do. And that 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 kills the god. I'm I'm sure if Val talked at all, he would have just yelled at it to death like he does with other computers. Yeah, a- I... This is what disappointed me about this episode is that in so many ways it was fun, but then I was like, you're literally just doing the exact, like, this isn't even plot recycling, this is plot copying. There's a bunch of, like, technobabble stuff for why they're, why they just decide to shoot it with a phaser, but I couldn't be bothered to understand any of it or write it down. They shoot, they shoot the cave, they get through the force field, they drain it, and then they, they drain all of Val's batteries. Because I guess it's a computer. We never see it. We, we only ever see the shot outside of the cave with like yeah. the green the glowing eyes we never get an explanation of what it is and i kind of like that you don't have to explain it but um that's you know, th- there's no like plea at the end it's just they just kill it that was one of my actual like criticisms of this episode i'm like i want an explanation for like how this happened but anyway uh so okay so now vol is dead the ship is fixed Kirk gets to tell yet another culture that he killed their god. <laughs> oh my god, his speech. Oh my god, that speech. At the end, he like lectures them about how great freedom is <laughs> and then that like how great their new life will be. With you'll learn our- to call, you'll learn to care for yourselves. Yeah, That's what like, we call freedom and you'll like it. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna love farming and toiling in the fields. Well, bye, you big bunch of adults <laughs> with no skills or, or you don't even know what the word is love means <laughs> you'll you also yeah. really like sex let me show you boy sure uh childbirth sure will be fun especially <laughs> since about 10 percent of you will die you're gonna want to discover something called penicillin real quick <laughs> i felt like he did say that was like and we'll help you learn these things so just like when they destroyed Landju's planet and they had um they left domestic, one person back he's like domestic violence counselors that's <laughs> what they left back this is the same thing. It's just a bunch of sex ed teachers that they drop on the planet. They're like, see ya. Yeah, this, like I said, I wanted to like this, uh, but yeah, it is basically just recycling. Do we, do we want to do our, re- that's that's the episode. Do you guys want to do the reviews now? Yeah, except I just, at the end of the episode, there is a bit where they're like, oh, did we do the right thing? And then... Like, Kirk and Bones, like, dodged the question. Like, Spock makes a good point. It's like, maybe you shouldn't have blown up this guy. And then McCoy's like, well, you look like the devil, so whatever you say doesn't matter. And then 
Kirk and McCoy are just like, <laughs> and then Spock is just confused. Spock's like, I asked a legitimate question. <laughs> yeah, no. I also in that speech, Spock like very didactically explains like, well, you know the story of Genesis and the apple and Adam and Eve, all right. And I'm like, oh, if you didn't catch all those parallels, here they are, spoon fed to you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you look like Satan. <laughs> well, and this episode's also similar to the Adonis Apollo one because, um, uh, wait, I lost my train of thought. Never mind. All right. Something tickled my leg under my computer and I made me forget what I was going <laughs> to say. Everything. I'm sorry, who t- tickled your leg? <laughs> Clint and I record together. Oh. Corey, we're supposed to keep that a secret. Well, let's wrap this up so you guys can get into more tickling. <laughs> That's what they call it on Planet Epsilon <laughs> 9 or whatever. Oh, wait, no. I remember what I was going to say. I remember what I was going to say. Uh, but one, another reason this is, but this is also similar to the Adonis episode um, because there's like this thing that is being a dick, I guess, but it's captured the ship and it's threatening the ship and the crew. So yeah, it's exactly the same. If, if it wasn't being a dick to the crew like i would kirk let them go about their merry way like wow this is a weird religion you have well we're getting off your planet bye that's Um, a question i had in my notes actually because it's exactly like the adonis one where it's like if the planet like i guess the adonis makes more sense because he wants their worship but like here why would the ship or why would the snake computer want to keep the ship like why would it trap them there why wouldn't it just be like all right fuck off bye no that's a good question this is this is one of the things i wanted to talk about too in this episode was kind of the ethics of kirk's decision and whether or not you guys think he did the right thing um and this is almost a whole show that we should do like a captain's log where we kind of talk about every time that kirk interferes with a civilization is like is this warranted or not but anyway um well, if you want to save that for a captain's log, I did notice that one of the red shirts was named Marple, which I thought was interesting because that's famously the name of one of Agatha Christie's crime-solving characters. Oh, interesting. But no, I want to. I want. I, I'd like to talk about this in this episode because I think it's an interesting discussion. Um, but I think Kirk, I, and I think this is the great thing about this episode is is it is a good discussion about like whether or not i think that's one of the themes in this episode is whether you should interfere in this in this situation whether or not that was right and i think he did the right thing in destroying this snake temple machine sort of thing legends of the lost temple i don't know that was not a good joke but anyway (laughs) Well, I think it would have been more interesting if they had brought the depth and nuance and that like debate that Spock and Bones have to the episode with the jizz flowers because those people were like really articulate and they were like, this is why we chose to live this way. Like you actually can stay here and not live this way. You know, the flowers don't require anything of us. So, you know, it was a little bit more of a situation where there's consent and there's like a mutually beneficial and it's not harmful. But like here, it's almost weirder that they put that debate here because like, we don't know what the computer is. We don't know if it hurts them. We don't know, like, were they like something else before the computer got here? Mm -hmm. Like, we don't know, like, what is their life? Do they enjoy it? Like, we don't even get a lot of like, 
Yeah, like we could get into some hard sci-fi stuff. Like this race used to be like like tyrannical and controlled the galaxy. And then some heroes brought them down to this planet and kept them there and put this god to like watch over them and just like give them a simple childlike lifestyle. We don't know. We don't know. This could be like a prison planet. Well, that's a cool. That's a cool idea, Corey. I like that. That pitch. I was thinking, what a great, like, what a twist if they're like, we should save these people. Yeah, we should. And then at the end, you find out that they're not actually people. They're like robots, and they're all extensions of this machine that like controls the weather and i don't know somehow they're like semi-sentient robots and something or other but like yeah some element to make it more either making the debate more complex or making the ending more of a surprise ultimately their liberation by the hands of the enterprise crew was a consequence of the enterprise crew just trying to get off the planet and get away like, yeah, it I wasn't think, a choice. Yeah, I think that they like were just allowed to leave. They wouldn't have done this stuff, mm-hmm. but it was it was a good consequence in their eyes. But that's also like a cop out. That's also frustrating to me. It's like in a Disney movie when the villain falls because you can't have the hero kill the villain. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you've removed this moral choice from these characters instead of ma- having them actually wrestle with it. So right, it would have been. Oh, go ahead, Clint. So this is my defense of of why you should destroy the snake cave machine. Um. So one, I think, like it, it's killing people who happen upon it, um, without any sort of like warning or anything like that. So it's like the same ethics of like removing a bear trap from the forest. So it's dangerous and people. It's like a hazard that people can happen upon and get killed by. So I think that's one thing. Um, and another thing is I do think the Vol is inhibiting these people. And I think that the episode could have done a better job of kind of like um, showing the harm that Vol is doing to these people. And I might be reading into it a little bit, but it seems like they have no culture or anything outside of gathering rocks and throwing it in a pit. If, if it doesn't have to do with that, that, like they don't know about it. Like they don't, they don't like, and I, I wish there was scenes of them just kind of like staring into the, like the void. Yeah. When not the being... villagers, the villagers were underwritten. Yeah. But I think like what it seemed like to me is like they had no culture. They had like no, I mean, they were, they were fed and taken care of. Right. But you're, you're kind of forgetting the main theme of this episode is they live in this perfect society where they don't have to think, they don't have to do anything. They have this entity that just tells them what to, they do, what to do. All they have to do is worship it in return and they get everything they want. These guys have eternal life too. Like we didn't mention that, but they just live forever in idyllic happiness. I mean, and that is what like traditional Christian teachings are. The Garden of Eden, the sin is disobeying God and the wages of that sin are, you know about sex, but then you also know about death. So now you die and childbirth hurts which is basically what Kirk set up for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. They kind of kicked them out of the garden. I definitely think, think kind of like what they were going for. Um, yeah, they're just going for like super biblical, I think. But one of the premises, I have a problem with one of your premises about you can remove Vol because it's like removing a bear trap. But like all of Star Trek is built on this notion that the Enterprise and Starfleet have a right to know things and like everything that exists 
is theirs for examination, for their use, for their knowledge. Like, if a planet resists anything that they want, that's considered an act of aggression. Whereas, like, I think it would be interesting to take that colonizer attitude and problematize it of saying, well, you scan the planet and that triggered this, like, automatic response on a computer. Um, It's a defense response and you know, this planet doesn't want to be explored and is resisting you as it has a right to do. Like people have a right to not be examined. There's no like warning though. Like if, if, you know, Kirk rolled up on this planet and they got a message where like, Hey, we don't want you here. And then they're like, well, fuck that. And like jump in and go onto the planet. I would say that's a little bit more indefensible, but I don't know. Like, Warnings are such a human construct, Lynn. We need to think about creatures outside of the human experience. But well, we don't know very... if like Vol was the first creature on this planet too. Like we don't know if it, like yeah. there's no information. But again, like they didn't do any of these good things to like crack a case or kill a guy. They just wanted to get off the planet, which was a little like a bit of cop out. I agree, a little unsatisfying that they're not like turn the ship around. We got to go back and save those people. Well, and that's another criticism I have of this episode. Was I would like some more context on Vol and these people. Like they could have done something where they're like, oh, we've seen these strange markings. And then it's like, oh, we've got to the cave that kind of has the hieroglyphs that tells the story where they were a warlike civilization and they invented this machine and enslaved them all and reduced the population down to, you know, like 30 people or something just enough so he can be fed even, and that sort of thing. Or even if like they they find some reason, like the ones that were kissing were punished like really harshly they were like killed but they, and yeah then they weren't all the other people are like well when vol's displeased then you know someone has to pay for it or whatever and they're like oh this is a bad situation we do need to liberate these people but then they don't have time and like they just have to like we have to beam up now or we won't escape and they have to leave and then that's that's the consequence they have to deal with like the people are like well we're happy as long as val's happy and val was unhappy so those people got burned alive this episode is very similar to the book of genesis if the book of genesis had adam and eve hanging out in their garden and then an alien comes down and is like hey guys we just want to take some readings of your planet and then we're going to leave and then the biblical god uh takes their ship and won't let it go and so they have to destroy the garden of eden to leave like it's just it's annoying that there was no it wasn't about the characters it was just about escaping the situation Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that so that's what is a bummer is that that's a criticism that we've had before and we're we're still having that criticism even when they're taking the same plot points like this reminded me so much of the episode in the first season with the jizz flowers that at first i was excited i was like oh this is going to get the rewrite that we want it to have but they didn't fix any of the problems. <laughs> I I mean, it's probably if this was updated, I would say there would probably be a little bit more clues and context to like how this, I don't know, maybe the point of this episode, it's supposed to be really nebulous and there's supposed to be debate on both sides of whether or not um, this was good or bad to do this. Um, I just thought in this instance, it was, it made more sense to destroy the like in the jizz flowers episode. I think there is not as much, it's not as defensible to like break these people out though. I think they were under a drug and not like they're 
they they weren't making their their decision making was was influenced by an outside organism um but yeah i mean it's it's great points all around i think that's the point of this episode it's it's supposed to be kind of nebulous or or whatever yes <laughs> and let's get to the next point we and scene and scene <laughs> Um, I just too want to talk about the whole biblical nature of this, if you guys will, will indulge me. Uh, I did not love. Um, well, I think I think it's good to go into the review right now. Do you guys mind if I redo that and launch into the review? Or is there anything else you guys want to talk? Well, about? I think we covered like like the meta on this episode. I mean, we're an hour in. Yeah, I don't. All right. Well, let's... I will. I, the only other thing I'd add to that, Clint, that you were kind of mentioning the biblical thing is that. I wonder if in the 60s, this these biblical allusions in a very secular sci-fi show would have been more provocative as they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like to us, we're kind of like, oh, my God, and Kirk is, you know, the bringer of knowledge, uh, of course. But like, I wonder if that would have been more like shocking and thought provoking at the time. I, yeah, it, it probably was. Well, you can. You couldn't show a midriff back then, and the censors would go crazy. I don't even know how they filmed this episode with so many. Apparently, you couldn't even say sex because yeah. they don't say it once. All right, so let's get into our our final verdicts of this episode. Um, I just I'll, I'll start first, um, but I'm gonna give it a thumbs down. Um, even though this is better in better than things we've seen in season one, I think season two's just been so solid. And I, yeah, I don't like the weird like sex metaphor or like the Apple stuff and them like introducing. I don't know. I think it's just it's kind of like weird and ham fisted or whatever. Um, so I don't hate this episode, but I'm still going to give it a thumbs down. Just I think the the quality of recent episodes have been going up and this one um, is just not very good. OK, Emily, what do you think of this episode? I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that if this was in season one, it would have been a solid thumbs up. But season two just had such a higher bar so far that this was like a real disappointment. And I hated saying that because overall it was not that bad of an episode. There was more depth. The set design was gorgeous. But yeah, it does end up being kind of a thumbs down. And again, just because the we had such a great run that this was a big womp womp. Womp womp. Reluct reluctant but inevitable thumbs down. <laughs> Corey, I know you wanted to go first in this review process, but why don't why don't you go now? Uh I'm actually pretty surprised by you guys, like comparing it relative to season one, letting it stand on its own. This is a solid Star Trek episode. Like you have the entire cast, they go down on, on a planet, they have an adventure, there's a bunch of great funny throwaway lines. It's it's cheesy. There's combat. Red shirts die. The ship's going to fall into the atmosphere. They have to take out a god. Like, it's everything you want. This is a, just a classic, solid episode. I mean, you make like, a really the, good case for it, Corey. It gets it gets really, like, muddled with what it's about. But, I mean, who gives a fuck? It's a stupid <laughs> 1960s show. Like, I, there are episodes I've watched where I've been bored. I was not bored at all. Like, this was a totally fine, uh, I'd say, above average episode. I mean, that's pretty compelling. There's exploding rocks. And when you were saying that, I did chuckle. Like, I did genuinely chuckle many times. All right. Well, I'll let Corey convince me that it's a good episode. He made a lot of good points that there was a lot of fun stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll this revive is why my we, reading. 
this is why we do our review before we get into the meta, because then you start to pick it apart. <laughs> no, I like it at the end because it's just a real dumb way to end. Not a dumb way. It's a good way to wrap it up, I feel like. What, the whole Satan thing? Uh, like accusing Spock of being Satan or just being like, well, we killed your god. See you later. No, she's talking about no, reviewing do, it. Doing the review. Oh, again. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm more critical of the ones that I like because they're so close to being good. And I'm like, look, you could have just done this. You could have just done that. And it would have perfect. But then the ones that are just crap, I'm like, what is this steaming pile of garbage? It's not even worth trying to improve. <laughs> Uh, well, I, this was a good, good, good episode all around. I'd say us, us and yeah. them and that sort of thing. So, um, well, was there anything else that you guys wanted to say? I just want to clarify that you said us and them, not S and M, right, Clint? Um, you heard what I said. <laughs> given, given the, uh, the adult themes of, of this episode, I'll let you uh, make an educated guess. We love you, <laughs> audience members. All right. Well, that's it. Not each other. <laughs> that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. And until we see you next time, keep on trekking. <laughs>